I'm excited. I, I want to tell you, uh, my voice is not raspy because I was yelling at football games because I really don't care who's playing. I don't like any of them, so it don't matter to me. Uh, I, I have preached a couple of weddings and four funerals in the last three weeks, and so uh, my voice is a little weak, so you're going to have to bear with me. Uh, I've been praying that God would just give me my voice to preach the Word. I believe He will, and uh, I get a little excited. You know, baptism stirred me up, and then I came down here, and I told myself coming down those stairs, okay, I'm not going to sing. I'm just going to mouth the words, right? That was not true. I, 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 I set my mind, but my actions didn't follow because I started singing, and I couldn't stop. So I said, Lord, you're just going to have to help me. You're just going to have to help me. We've been in this series called Set Your Mind over the past few weeks, and uh, what I've been talking about is if we truly uh, want 2023 to be a year that we glorify God with our thoughts, with our words, and with our actions, if we want to glorify God faithfully with all of our lives, we have to set our minds on Him. We have to set our minds to gain understanding and to humble ourselves That's what we saw in the life of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 10, he set his mind to gain understanding from God and to humble himself before God. We also have to set our minds on things above, which means we have to think about God's Word and God's ways, and then we have to act upon God's Word and God's ways here on earth. We learn that from Paul in Colossians chapter 3. We also have to set our minds on what the Spirit desires. And when we do that, it will lead us to a life of peace and a life of strength. Paul tells us that in Romans chapter 8. We die to self and we live in Christ. And Paul says Christ lives in us. And so we focus on God's grace. We focus on God's mercy. We surrender ourselves to God and He transforms us. He transforms us. He changes us from the inside out. See, God transforms our minds, and He transforms our heart, which in tune transforms our actions. And so when we set our minds on God, you better look out because He's going to do some incredible things. Uh, When I think about humility, when I think about Daniel who set his mind to gain understanding and to humble himself before God. It reminds me about uh, a joke I heard. Uh, It's a joke about a pastor, so I can do this because I'm a pastor. Uh, Did you hear about the pastor that was voted on by his church and community as the most humble pastor in America? Did you hear about him? His congregation the following Sunday gave him a medal. And on that medal it said, The most humble pastor in America. But the following Sunday, his congregation had to take the the medal away from him because he wore it everywhere that week, including the pulpit, that next Sunday morning. He kind of took advantage of the the award, didn't he? So when we talk about humility, I've always wondered, what's the best way to talk about humility? What's the best way to teach humility? I'll, I'll tell you that there really is one simple way, one best way to talk about humility, and that's to talk about Jesus. It's to point you to Jesus. See, if we have the same mindset of Jesus Christ, then we will live a life of a humble servant. That's what it's all about. 
If you are setting your mind on God's word and God's ways, if you are thinking about Jesus and then living like Jesus, then you will have the same mindset of Jesus and you will become a humble servant to God and to others. I've heard it said before that humility does not mean to think less of yourself. It means thinking of yourself less often than others. And I love that. I think that's a good start when you're trying to understand what it means to be humble, what it means to live in and with humility. But Paul points us to Jesus Christ as the humble servant of God and the humble servant of mankind. And he encourages us in Philippians. I want you to go ahead and turn there. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 1 through 11. He points us to Jesus and he encourages us as believers to be like-minded, to be one in spirit, to be one in mind, and to be one in love. And he tells us the only way to do that is to look to Christ, to be in Christ and allow Christ to be in you. Listen, we can't be like-minded. We can't be one in spirit. We can't be one in mind. We can't be one in love without Jesus Christ. It's not possible. On your best day and my best, my best day, we can't be one together without Christ. We must be in Christ, and Christ must be in us. And if that happens, then we can have the same mindset of Christ, and we can look like Him, and live like Him, and love like Him in our world. And I'm going to tell you, that's what we need today. That's what we need in our homes, daddies, mamas. That's what we need in our workplaces. That's what we need in our schools. That's what we need in our communities. We need the same mindset of Christ Jesus. So listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. He says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, there's that word, in humility, Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. So, so Paul is teaching the Philippian church how to look like Jesus, how to live like Jesus, how to love like Jesus. And the only way to do that is to have the mindset of Jesus Christ, to set your mind on him. And so he tells us very clearly, number one, the mindset of Jesus is marked by unity and harmony. I hope that's what you see in these first four verses. He, his mindset, Jesus' mindset, it is marked by unity and harmony. See, where there is unity, the overflow will be harmony. When people are unified, there will be harmony. The Greek word for unity in this passage is kaleo. And it means to join together closely. It means to join together closely. What that denotes is a relationship built upon intimacy. When we are intimate with one another, harmony will overflow. That word harmony is an interesting word too. 
Listen to what harmony means. It means a combination of simultaneous parts or a musical chord. It is the pleasing arrangement of parts. Think about that. When we are in harmony, we are a pleasing arrangement of parts. You know who can do that? You know the only one who can do that? God. God is the only one that can bring all of us together, all of our differences, right? All of our uniqueness. He's the only one that can bring us together in a pleasing way, right? In a harmonious way. And that happens through unity. Listen, we see unity and we see harmony in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the three in one. We see unity and harmony in our Creator. So why wouldn't we, as ones who have been created in the image of God, not be a part of that unity and not overflow with harmony? I believe we have to be that. As Christ followers, we are called to unity and we are called to be a harmonious demonstration to the world in which we live. I love Dr. Tony Evans, you know that, and uh, he has just such a unique way of uh, expressing the gospel. Dr. uh, Tony Evans, he describes unity this way. He says a football team is unified, not because every player plays the same position or wears the same number, that would be called uniformity. A football team is unified because they are operating in harmony to reach the same goal. Each player is playing his position with the team with the objective to either help the team score or to stop the other team from scoring. Everyone on the field is moving in the same direction when they're on the same team. I love that. That's a definition, a good definition of unity. Unity does not mean uniformity. We're not going to all wear the same number. We're not all going to play the same position. But we can line up and move in the same direction. That is unity. And that is what we have when Christ is in us and we are in Christ. See, as Christ followers, I believe it's so important. I believe it's vital to know who we are in Christ. I believe it's so important to know whose we are. We have been bought with a price paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. We belong to God. We are His children. We are His ambassadors. We need to know why we are. We don't need to walk in this world wondering, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? Who am I supposed to talk to? Let me tell you why you are. You are created to glorify God wherever you go, whoever you talk to, whatever you do. That's who you are, that's whose you are, and that's why you are. When you know those three things, I believe you can begin to understand the unity that we should have together in Christ. I believe you can understand why it's important that we display the harmony that we see in the Trinity to the world in which we live. The mindset of Jesus, it's marked by unity and harmony. But that's not it. The mindset of Jesus is marked by servanthood. Servanthood. One of the, I believe, one of the the Greek words that's used in the New Testament, we see it quite often when it refers to servanthood, is the word diakonos. It's where we get our word deacon. It actually means a servant minister. 
And the idea of diakonos or deacon is fleshed out in Scripture as one who waits on tables. You ever went to a restaurant and had someone to wait on you? They ask you what you want. They go get it and they bring it back to you, right? One who waits on tables. That's what diakonos means. That's what deacon servants are in the church. They are ones who serve. They are ones who wait on tables. Paul actually uses this same word, diakonos, many times in his letters to the churches. I found this very interesting. I was reading uh, William Mounts' dictionary of the Old and New Testament, and this is what he said about Paul. He said, Paul's description of himself as one who serves, diakonos, often carries the idea of giving of himself at great personal cost for the sake of the gospel. Think about that for a minute. Paul was one who gave of himself at great cost for the sake of the gospel. Let me ask you a question. When you read the letters of Paul, whose mindset do you think he has? He has the mindset of Jesus. Does it affect the way he lives? Absolutely. Does it affect the way he speaks to people? Absolutely it does. Where do you think Paul got that mindset? He looked at Jesus. He listened to Jesus. Jesus served others and he held nothing back. He held nothing back. Ultimately, he gave up his life to meet the needs, the dire needs of others. And that included you and me. That's who Jesus is. The mindset of Jesus Christ is marked by servanthood. And it's not just any kind of servanthood. It's humble servanthood. You see, the mindset of Jesus is marked by humility, most of all. It's marked by humility. Again, what's the job description of a servant? I'll make it very simple for you. A servant serves. A servant serves. That's the job description of a servant. One who serves. By definition, a servant serves someone else what is wanted or needed. And the true mark of a servant with the mindset of Jesus Christ is humility. As we can see in this passage, humility is about putting the needs of others before self. And Jesus did this. Think about this. Jesus put the needs of you and me before every breath, before every word, before every action. He put our needs before His own. Every word, every action, every drop of blood, it was humility. As a matter of fact, Jesus' own words were this in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Paul describes the humble servanthood of Jesus with another aspect in verses 5 through 11. See, I believe humility comes with sacrifice. Humility comes with sacrifice. Listen to this, beginning in verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And here it is. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made him. listen to this, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, 
being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What an incredible passage of Scripture. We see some incredible truths in this passage. The mindset of Jesus is marked by unity. It's it's marked by harmony. The mindset of Jesus is marked by being a servant. It's marked by servanthood. It's marked by humility. But look at what happens. The mindset of Jesus is marked by sacrifice. Sacrifice. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. Okay? I think this will make it a little bit better. Living sacrificially is the opposite of living entitled. I hope we don't squirm too much in our seats. Because what I see a lot in myself and what I see a lot in my world and what I see a lot in churches is entitlement. We think we deserve this or we think we deserve that. Or we think that because we've done this, we should get this or we should get that. The opposite of sacrifice is entitlement. Jesus did not live entitled Do you know what that word entitlement means? Here's what it means. Entitlement means a right to benefits specified especially by a law or a contract. It means a belief that one deserves privileges because. One deserves privileges because. If anyone deserved to be served, it was Jesus. Amen? If anyone deserved to be served... It was Jesus. If anyone deserved to live entitled, I believe it was Jesus. I mean, think about this. Jesus is God. He is God in flesh. That's who he is. He he never stopped being God when he was on earth. His deity never changed. He never lost his deity or sat his deity aside. That's not what this means. Listen, he was God in flesh. He was completely divine, and he chose not to take advantage of his divinity. He he chose not to take advantage of his equality with God. It's not that he gave up his deity. It's that he fully embraced his humanity. He fully embraced the flesh that he put on when he came into this world. You see, Jesus is both fully God and fully man, and that never stops. I love what Pastor Tony Moretta says when, when, uh, when I went to, uh, to seminary at Louisiana College. Uh, I was introduced to this pastor and introduced to his writings, and I'm going to tell you, I love Pastor Tony Moretta. He, he has a series of commentaries that's called Christ-Centered Preaching. In other words, no matter what passage of Scripture you preach, no matter what book you preach out of, you better get to Jesus or you missed it. I'm going to tell you, that's really good. That's really good. Listen to what Pastor Tony Marita says. Jesus, oh, this is so good. Jesus did not consider being God grounds for getting, but rather forgiving. Jesus didn't relinquish his deity. 
He surrendered his rights and prerogatives. Think about that. That's what it means to live sacrificially. I I don't come in here and say, well, because I'm the pastor, I get the best seat. Oh, because I'm the pastor, I don't have to fold the chairs and put them up. Oh, because I'm the pastor, I don't have to do this or do that. Listen, that's called entitlement. And nowhere do I see Jesus act like that or talk like that in the Bible. And so, why would I even think that kind of thing? I'll tell you why. When I take my eyes off of Jesus, I ain't got but nowhere else to put them. And that's on me. When you ain't looking at Jesus, you're looking at self. That's it. When you ain't looking at Jesus, you're looking at self. And that's where entitlement comes from. When you're looking at Jesus, all you see is humility that bleeds sacrifice. I'll tell you what else sacrifice is about. It's about surrender. See, the mindset of Jesus is marked by surrender. He surrendered. In surrender, Jesus put on flesh. In surrender, Jesus put on humanity. Paul uses that word likeness. Do you see that in verse 7? It says, he put on humanity, put on flesh in likeness. I love Dr. David Jeremiah as well, and this is what he describes that word likeness. It says, likeness describes a similarity, but with difference. Oh, Jesus' humanity was genuine and it was full, but he differed from humans in that he was sinless. So in surrender, Jesus put on complete and full humanity, but he also put on complete and full obedience, obedience even to death on the cross. His surrender came through his sacrifice and it was displayed on a criminal's cross. Do you see that? His surrender and his sacrifice was displayed through humility. Think about what Jesus endured when he took your cross, when he took my cross. Listen, the only ones who deserve the cross is everyone who's ever been created or ever will be created. It wasn't Jesus. Jesus didn't deserve the cross. He took the cross through humility, through surrender, through sacrifice. Why did he do that? He did that so that you and I might be forgiven and set free so that one day maybe we could stand up in church with our hands and say, I am redeemed. Thank God. Think about what he endured. Think about the physical agony. Nails driven through his hands, through his feet. A crown of thorns shoved on his head. A spear through his side. Beatings all over his body. Think about what he endured mentally. The agony of abandonment. The agony of shame. But more than any of that, think about what Jesus endured spiritually who until this moment had never been separated from the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. But when He bore the sins of mankind, for that moment, He took on the full wrath of God for you and for me. That is servanthood. That is humble servanthood. That is sacrificial servanthood. That is servanthood fully surrendered. 
That's our Jesus. And that's who we are to set our minds on every day, all day. When we talk to anyone, when we see anyone, when we wave at anyone, when we interact with anyone, regardless of who they are, regardless of what they've done, regardless of what they're going to do. I love this because Paul doesn't stop there. He tells us the result, right? The result of Jesus' humble servanthood. See, the mindset of Jesus is also marked by God exalting Him. Exalting Him, lifting Him up, and by Jesus glorifying God. You know, just a short time before he, He lived His mindset out loud, He spoke his mindset to the crowds and to the disciples. Uh, Jesus, he was walking with his disciples and the crowds were following him. And you know, they always wanted to know, hey, what's the greatest command? Or who's the greatest? Who's going to sit by you in heaven? And who's going to sit by you at the table? And you know, they were always wanting to know who the greatest was. Have you ever noticed that? Even the disciples were full of themselves at times, weren't they? That ought to make you feel a little bit better. At times, we do. We just, wanna, we just want the best seat. How many of you love to sit on the front row at the concerts, right? How many of you want to get the VIP passes and meet them backstage, you know? Um, how many of you want to cross the finish line first and get that medal that says first place, you know? Sometimes we do. We just, we, we just, want, the, we just want the greatest. Here's the greatest, according to the greatest. Matthew 23, 11 and 12. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. You think Paul had those words in mind when he wrote Philippians chapter 2? I do. I do. He may not have been there personally to hear Jesus say that, but he knew Jesus said that. And so as he's writing this letter to the Philippians, he makes it very important to understand that we will choose in this life. Do you know that? We will choose in this life. We will either choose to humble ourselves or exalt ourselves. Every day, it'll be about God or it'll be about me. It's a choice I make. When God wakes me up in the morning, he gives me the choice. Jeff, today you can make it about you or you can make it about me. Jeff, today you can love me by loving people or Jeff, you can love yourself. Every day we will choose in this life either to humble ourselves or to exalt ourselves. But our choice, understand, not my words, this is God's word. This is Jesus, Matthew chapter 23. Our choice will bring a powerful and divine result. We will either be humbled by God because of self-exaltation, or we will be exalted by God because of choosing to be humble. It doesn't mean that we're going to be exalted like Jesus as the Savior of the world. You know what it means? It means God will exalt us as His children. You will be His son, you will be His daughter, and He will empower you and enable you to go out and live a life of power and a life of victory. That's what it means. God will exalt you 
to be his ambassador. To go out and live the truth out loud. To live love out loud. To live grace and mercy out loud. Do you know you can't be a vessel of God's grace, love, and mercy in and of yourself? It's not possible. Grace, love, and mercy flow through the Holy Spirit of God who indwells you. And so if you wake up each day and you make the day about you and not about God, don't ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Because here's the thing. It starts with repentance. Oh God. Oh God, forgive me. Because I'm a sinner. And I can't step out of this bed without thinking about me unless you help me. So God, before my feet hit the ground, help me make this day about you. My thoughts right now, God, put my thoughts where they need to be. God, help turn my heart right now where it needs to be. Before I get in the shower, before I brush my teeth, right? Before I put my clothes on and go out there, God, set my mind so that my heart may follow. So that when I walk out of my house, I'm living for you and not for me. I'm thinking of others more than I'm thinking about me. So the question is really simple. I'm going I'm to end it right here. The question is really simple. Will we choose each day to live out loud the mindset of Jesus Christ? I can, I'm not going to force that. I can't force that on you. I'm not going to make you do that. I can't make you do that. It's a choice that I have to make. It's a choice that you have to make. Listen, if we want our church to make a difference and start Louisiana, we've got to live with the mindset of Jesus Christ. And remember, to live with the mindset of Jesus Christ doesn't mean just thinking about Jesus. It means thinking about Jesus with the intention to act like Jesus, to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to talk to other people like Jesus talked to other people, to treat other people like Jesus treated other people. And I'm going to tell you, for me, I just said it. It begins with repentance of my sin. God, forgive me. God, help me take the log out of my own eye before I try to work on the speck in somebody else's. And again, that ain't Brother Jeff's words. That was copyrighted by Jesus Christ. I'm just repeating what he said. How many times do we wake up, right? And we see the speck in everybody else's life and I, and we're missing the gigantic log in our own. See, that's what happens when you live entitled. When you live entitled, everybody else is supposed to be doing it the way you want it done. Living entitled is Burger King, my way right away. Living sacrificially is Jesus' way. So God, forgive me of my sin. And God, help me grow my faith in Jesus. Help me look to his perfect life. Help me look to his sacrificial death. Help me look to his victorious resurrection. And remember who I am, whose I am, and why I am each day. I'm going to tell you, 2023, the first month is almost gone. How quick was that, huh? Boom. I mean, we're in, the, we're in the last week of January. We've only got 11 more months to go. You might be going, that's a lot of months. Well, if it goes as fast as the first one, it won't be long. So here, here's what I'm trying to tell you. For the last four weeks, 
This phrase has been on my mind. Set your mind, set your mind, set your mind. What are you going to do with it? Right? I can keep preaching more messages about setting your mind, but really what it comes down to is what are you going to do with it? You know. You know what the Bible says. You, you can read more passages that I haven't given you yet about how to think like Jesus. But unless you move like Jesus and move with Jesus, what does it matter? What, what does it matter to read your Bible and not live it out loud? Right? How, how, how is that any different than reading the Count of Monte Cristo? Or, or, you know, any other book you might read. You read it and go, oh, that was a good book. You put it down. But you don't dress like the Count of Monte Cristo. I, I mean, maybe you do, but... You might be looked at kind of funny. Think about that. You, you read books and you, you say, man, that was a good book, and you put it down. You say, man, that book was terrible. I don't want to read another thing by that. Look, when you read the Bible, it ain't to read the Bible and go, oh, that's good, and then put it down and do nothing. You read the Bible and say, God, change me. God, change my heart. Change my mind. I want to look like that. I want to live like that. I want to dress in those clothes, right? When you walk in the Spirit, you will bear the what? Fruits of the Spirit. In other words, you will put on those clothing, right, called tenderness, compassion, kindness, love, mercy, grace. And we could go on and on and on. You can find those in Galatians. I don't want you to just set your mind. I want you to set your mind with the intent to live like Jesus. Set your mind on things above. Set your mind on Jesus and live like Jesus. So, Will you choose? Look at that question again. Will you choose to live out loud the mindset of Jesus Christ? And it's one day at a time. It's really, it's really one hour at a time. Because I'm going to tell you, we're fixing to have an invitation and we're going to sing and we're going to walk out of these doors. And before we get to the house, Satan's going to try to distract me so that I will say something rude to my wife or so that I will do something rude or mean or whatever to my kids. He'll try to distract me and get my mind off a message that I have to preach tonight. He'll do whatever he can. Remember what the goal of Satan is. What's the goal of Satan? What did Jesus say? Do what? Still kill and destroy. That's what he wants. And guess how he does that? Distraction. Take your eyes off of Jesus, because when you take your eyes off of Jesus, oh, he's going to give you a lot of stuff to look at. A lot of stuff to look at. Don't put your eyes on the world. Put your eyes on him. See what happens.